Do you know, we live in a, in a very transient city. Um, we live in a transient culture, and um, whether you've come in from another country, which I think most of us have, or, um, or you're going to another country, life it might feel like we're in a transition all the time. How many of you feel like that? Like, I feel like I can't, I just, I'll never settle. And life, if I'm in, in this city, in this nation, if, even if I'm visiting, it feels like I'm in a transition. So whether you are in, 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 in you know, you're moving between jobs, you're, uh, you lost a job, you're looking for a job, whatever it is, whether even you have plans to, to move from one city to another city or, from, or, or move from one country to another country, uh, you know, most of us are in seasons of transition. And we're in transition all the time. And I, and I was really seeking the Lord as to what word to give you today. And the Lord gave me a good word today. And, uh, I, and, but you need to pull the word today. Okay. Uh, if you're hungry, you go to eat, right? But for us in the kingdom, when we're hungry, we go to the word. So if you're hungry, you've got to pull on the word, okay? So whatever season of transition we're in, we're going from one place to another place. And the choices that we make in that season of transition can really define whether we um, completely miss God's plan for our life because of the choices we make or we follow the path that God has for us. Right. I don't know what you, but sometimes, you know, there are, I get caught up in these moments in my life where I completely feel like the choices that I've made, I completely feel like, you know, I've gone south and God's gone north. How many of you feel like that? Oh, it's getting better. Thank you, Jesus. I thought I was the only one. <laughs> For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, it'll get better. Don't worry. You'll figure it out slowly. I just feel like, you know, sometimes we get caught in moments of transition, moments of experience that we become zoomed in to the experience. We become zoomed in, deer in the headlight syndrome, head down. We have a, a lack of patience. We have a, a, I can't take it anymore. It's too much. It's too much. It's like you, you come close to them, it's like they'll explode. Even if you want to love them, they'll like, don't come to me. Don't ask me to serve in church. Don't tell me to come to your church. I can't come to your church. Don't tell me to come to life group. It's too, too much, too much. I'm asking for two hours, man. For you, not for me. Friday service is too long. So I cannot, cannot. Service is too long. What if you were in heaven right now? Would you say, God, your service is too long? See, the, the problem is that we're so caught up in the moment of experience, of experiencing life, that we make choices that completely change the trajectory of our life, that cause us to go south when God is going north. And then when we reach the destination, and there's no more place to go, God, where are you? 
your love's too good to leave me here. <laughs> And we sing these songs like, but, but God's like in the north. And you're in the south trying to, and then the worship gets louder as your desperation for a miracle and a breakthrough. You need to happen. You can't feel the presence. Oh, I can't go. I can't. Can you come, for, come to church? Oh, no, no, no. It's too long. I can come for one hour. One hour. Okay, come for one hour at least. We'll start with that. We'll take that. Ask people to serve. It's like, oh, no, no, no. I have, I have plans after the service. What plans do you have? I know what his plans are. His plans are for you to prosper. When we... See, now you like that, no? You like that part. You have plans to prosper. Give me a good word. Give me a good word. Right? Really good. It's a good word today. I'm telling you, it's a... Set you free, set you free, let's set you free. Sometimes we just feel like life is so overwhelming that we have no time for God. We have no space for God. We have no space for his people. I caught myself encouraging myself when I was talking to somebody uh, this week. Did you get it? I got myself encouraged while I was talking to somebody this week, and I said, man, you, you know, no, man, man, woman, same thing, okay? <laughs> so you don't think I was talking to a guy. <clears throat> so I was like, you know, when we pursue God and we're pursuing his heart, you, when you find his heart for your life and you look inside, most times you will find people in there. Yeah. So you can't tell me that I love God and can't love people. I love God, but I don't like his church. It's too long, the service. It's too, how much time do I need to spend with these people, man? How many, how many times will they hug me? <laughs> but see, it's these moments of transition that cause us to experience life in such a way that it, 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 it deviates us from where God is taking us in that moment. So today, I wanna, I'm going to talk about this thing called the big picture. Okay? The big picture. That's the title of my message today. So Psalm 23, David is, is talking about, about being on the path of righteousness. And most of us, please let me tell you something, you will never get off that path of righteousness. That in itself should be a, a moment of celebration, but it's okay, not now, not now. God is leading us. The day we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, God begins to lead our life. The good shepherd begins to lead our life. And David begins to describe what's around him. And he's like, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. How did David know that he was in the valley of the shadow of death? The brother was looking. See, our circumstances in our life causes us to zoom into the circumstance, causes us to zoom into the problem, zoom into what is happening around us in our life, and it causes us to take our eyes off the one who we should be looking at. On the path of righteousness, it might feel like hell. If you look at hell, 
If you look at the storm without a solution, you will be overcome by the storm. But the Lord is leading you in the paths of righteousness and David, our brother, is looking at it and he's saying it's the value of the shadow or which means overshadowing. Death is overshadowing him while he's walking in the presence of God. He's like, no, 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 but, but, but I will not fear. I will not fear because you are with me. And a lot of times people tolerate the value of the shadow of death because they know they're in the presence of God. We tolerate sin in our lives because we know we're in grace. We tolerate sin in our brothers and sisters' lives even though we watch it happening around us but we don't have the guts to say, hey man, that's not Christ-like. Because your eyes are too focused on the sin and how big a sinner you are rather than looking at Jesus and pointing at Christ. I don't know. See, the problem is that we live zoomed in to our lives. We are zoomed in to the picture. Do you like my t-shirt? My shirt? It says no picture. Such an oxymoron statement. (laughs) We are so consumed by life that life begins to become the valley of shadow of death when we feel we're on the path of righteousness with God. But David is saying, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they protect me. Why does God, the shepherd, need to protect David with a staff when he is on the path of righteousness? Have you ever asked God these questions? I ask him all the time. Why does God need to protect David with a rod and a staff while he's in his presence? Unless David has allowed his eyes to behold the valley, the shadow of death and bring it into the presence of God. We do that when we come to church, right? After the message and the service is over, you come to me for prayer. We do that all the time. We, We think that that man in the front has some special power that the person next to me does not have. But we do that. We bring our problems into church hoping that God would deliver us. Your solution is the rod and the staff. And it's meant to be comforting. Life is like a, not life at church, life in general. It's like a mosaic. If you zoom into the mosaic, you really, this to me is a modern mosaic, okay? Just play along with me. Just pretend you never saw the previous picture. So that you get my point. (laughs) Rod and stuff is coming. I worked hard on this point, okay? (laughs) But just 
play along with me, okay? Are you ready? So life is like this. It's zoomed into the picture and we think this is the big picture. This is the big problem. This is the big sickness. This is the big debt. But we don't zoom out of it because we don't see what God has in plan for us. See, the big picture that God really wants to do in our lives is really not to provide for you a breakthrough. He's not there to provide a miracle sign and a wonder in your life. He's there to provide himself. God wants to give you himself so that even in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. I'm looking to Jesus. I'm looking at Jesus. I'm not looking zoomed into my problems. I'm looking zoomed into. So the title of my message is the big picture. Now you can go back to picture number two. But this, thank you. Thank you. Well done on the slides. Well done, really. You just made the moment. Beautiful. Let's open our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11 and we'll, we'll start there. Can I give you an encouraging word while you're looking for Hebrews chapter 11? If you can, in the valley of the shadow of death, keep your eyes on Jesus, then the valley becomes a valley that you walk through and not stay in. Walk. Walk through the valley. Don't stay. Because if you look around, it will tell you to focus on you. The minute you focus on yourself, the shepherd will walk ahead of you. That's when you start going south, when the shepherd is going north. What's most important, are you listening? What's most important when the Lord leads you is not what you experience on the way, but the destination. The destination where he's taking you to is more important than what you experience on the way. So I'm going to be speaking about things like endurance, patience, long-suffering. Are you ready for that? Good message today. Okay. Because you can, you can, a lot of the times Christians suffer with escapism. They want to escape the break. I want to give me a breakthrough. Now, now, now. Pray for me, pastor. Give me a prophetic word. Now, my visa is expiring. Now, give me a... Why didn't you come three months ago when we could have prayed for you, man? They come in last minute. They want to build a house in a day. That's the generation we're part of. No, you have a flat tire, Uber. 
gone are the days when you you get out of the into the heat <laughs> huh fix your tire yourself no 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 my where my destination is important so i can't sweat on the way there <laughs> see we have a very uh, less tolerance for suffering and i'm not prophesying this over you jesus already did in the bible he said if you follow me you will suffer people will hate you yes but i want them to like me see we're stuck in an instagram moment <laughs> get it <laughs> we spend so much time on pause <laughs> we we're, we're so caught up with people's made up pause moments spend hours when his word says my word is proceeding if your life is on a pause move on follow the shepherd get into his word and allow his word to lead you you should be moving transition transition is a good thing if your eyes are fixed on the savior transition is a bad thing if your eyes are fixed on yourself or your circumstance because it will cause you to make choices according to the definition of the storm I don't want to get ahead of myself but it's going to be get good Hebrews chapter 11 are you there yes. All right Now faith is the substance say substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not for by it the elders obtained a good testimony I just want to stop there for a minute elders it's talking about people with experience they obtained a good testimony because of faith doesn't say the youngsters <laughs> youngsters just embrace the thought of suffering no seriously because if you don't you will get shocked when it does happen because you know that times when you're going from from college in your in your mom's house and mom is feeding you and everything is fine and dad is giving you pocket money and you don't sweat for anything and from there you have to make a transition to go to work and you think your boss is like your mom and dad right and you and you you're in your workplace and you're sitting down with your boss and he really doesn't like you it's like they hired you because they want to hate you i i don't get it It's like they hired you to just vent all their frustration on you and then they pay you for it. <laughs> so we we go into a job like that and then we're so disappointed. But I thought these people like me, man. That's why they took me. Why did they hire me then? They should have just left me out of state with my mom and dad. And then you stay with your mom and dad and then you're 40. because you so don't like suffering and then you're 45 and now mom and dad really want to 
Go on out, go friend for yourself. Go suffer a little. Learn to endure suffering. Learn to not take people's accusations seriously. Because if you do, then you will learn to embrace the goodness of God in your life. So now faith is the substance, say substance, of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which are Coming now. Good revelation today. I, I'm glad you came to church. I'll read it slowly so that you can start getting it. By faith, we understand. Now, faith is a... Right. So if you don't have substance, right, you cannot understand. Do you understand? Any substance? What is that substance? It says, John, I have faith for what you're saying right now. I believe, I receive, and I trust what you're saying. I have faith. Anybody have faith? Right. Very good. Now here he's saying, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. A lot of the times we think that the things that God is talking about is a good job, good wife, good house, money in the bank account, fruit and vegetables from spinnies, you know, all of that organic stuff, this, that, you know, my life is good, man. My life is good. My life is good. And most times, that's what the church has promoted. Come to church, receive a good word, build your faith and believe. But I want to tell you something right here. That it doesn't say breakthrough. The things that he's talking about here is that faith is a substance of things hoped for. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the... So God doesn't give you things. He gives you the... You need a breakthrough in your life. You don't need breakthrough. You need the... But what does he do? It's so beautiful. He says, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Which means every time you hear the word of God on a Friday or every day, I'm hoping this is the church that reads the Bible and in, in the word every day. Every day you receive frames. Say frames. frames. I receive a frame. Say it. I receive a frame. frame. Right? So God's word is a frame. That frame is faith. When God speaks to you, he gives you a word which is a frame. That frame is the first down payment of faith. It's the first installment of faith. And God's looking now, you're coming every Friday to the, to the church Right? You're receiving these awesome messages every Friday. What are you doing with it? He's looking because that's, he's just giving you the frame on Friday, brother. Just the frame. Now, stewardship looks like this. As I receive the word of God, 
into my heart, I've received the frame. When I believe the word, when I trust the word, and I act upon the word, now God allows faith to increase in my life. So now what it looks like is I take a piece of Christ and I fill the frame. Well, let me explain this, explain it like this. Let's say you've come to church now and you, you've received the word of God. Let's say it's a, God give you a prophetic word that you, you're going to get a promotion. It's a prophetic church. Some of you are like, hmm. I said, God is saying that you will get a promotion. Yeah. So now, all of you who rejoiced and those of you who did not rejoice, this is not for you. For those of you who rejoiced and received this word, now the promotion frame has entered into your heart. Right? And now you're going to go to work on Sunday. Hopefully. You're still not yet on leave. Go to work on Sunday and we wonder why all the problems are coming to us. All the problems that my boss should handle is coming to me. I, I don't know, maybe. I don't know if you like Revelation. Maybe you don't. So now I've got the frame and the frame of God's word now is beginning to attract the storm to me. But this is not my storm, it's my boss's storm. This is not your storm, it's the pastor's storm. If you're looking for a promotion, you have to look for a fight. The devil will not just roll over and play dead. Do you understand? Because what he, your boss has, right? What, your, what the economy has is in his control. And so for you to get a promotion now, he has to... Sometimes the church, I don't know, to give sometimes. I don't know who we're influenced by. Ridiculously generous God or stingy devil. Your silence really testifies on your behalf. <laughs> and so we have now this frame and this frame is attracting problems. And the problems are coming at us and then you're wondering... If you're zoomed in, go back to the previous picture, please. Hello? Previous picture. Is it? Right. If you're zoomed in, this is a big problem. My boss should be solving this problem. Man, I come to work and he's dumping stuff on me. I can't even go to church because I have to work. I can't go to life group because I have to work. And, and, and we're zoomed into the problem, not realizing there's a mosaic that we're looking at. There's a picture that we're looking at. And it's so much more bigger than us. And we think that this frame is just a pixel. We're just saying this frame is just this little piece over here. And we're like, ah, oh, the storm. And we're giving the storm a, a name. We call it debt. Or we call it job loss. We're, we're set, God is setting us up for a promotion. And we're calling the very frame that God gave us as a promotion a job loss. 
because the boss is nagging me now. The boss is doing things to me. There's a storm in the office. People are talking against me. We're looking at it and we're giving it a name. But what if your eyes were fixed on the Lord? Go back to the next picture. What if my eyes are fixed on Jesus? If my eyes are fixed on Jesus, now I'm seeing the big picture. The big picture is in the little frame that God gave me. Why? Because this is the word. Every time God speaks, he's not giving me things. He's giving me... Every time I look at Jesus and I receive his word now, I've received a frame. But in order for me to fill the frame, I can't fill the frame with my own wisdom. I need the word of God. I need the wisdom of Jesus. And so he says now, he says, my spirit, I live with you. So when you have a problem, he's, God is not looking for you to have your own solutions. He's looking to fill his frame with his son. He's looking to fill his, his eyes. He's looking to fill this frame of your life. Your life does not look like you. It looks like Jesus. See, the problem is that we think that life is about us. If it was about you, he would not have given you himself. And all these problems that come around us, it's just an invitation for me to look at Jesus. Jesus, what's your solution? Listen to me. Listen to me. When there's a problem, you're looking at the frame and you're saying, God, how would you handle that problem? Why? Because Jesus modeled it for us. I, I only see I only say what I hear the Father saying. I only do what I see the Father doing. So if I'm seeing my Father, if I'm seeing Jesus solving the problem at work, now the Jesus frame is, is, is solving the problem for me. He's given me the wisdom. A lot of the times we, we go to Google or we go to our colleagues or we go to the pastor. Pastor, please pray for me. Take this problem away from me. Rather than saying, let me just suffer. Because in the enduring you pursue Christ. In the enduring, you pursue perfection. Listen, you're not being perfected. He's being perfected. Christ is being perfected in your life. A lot of the times we think life is about us. Man, I got a solution to the problem. I got the solution. And see, the problem is we, we have certain parts of our life, which we, especially when we come to church. Are you looking? Right? Certain parts, like, like let's say the hair. Right? The hair of Jesus, like, like I, really, I love his presence. And we come to church and we're like, wow, Jesus, we love your presence. And then when it's time for the word, we fall asleep. So now, so listen to me now, listen to me. We're, take, we're taking our life and we're, we're fixing my opinion right there. And now Jesus kind of looks warped. When you go out into the world and they're like, because they see the, the big picture, right? They're not zoomed into your problems. They're zoomed into seeing Christ. And so every time they look at Christ, they're like, something is up. I think Jesus has a pimple on his nose. Uh, I think Jesus' one cheekbone is a little higher. The problem is you filled 
his frame with yourself. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Who is not seen? God is invisible. So the things that are invisible is the, the word. When God speaks, he creates a frame. But then he loves you so much that he wants to partner with you. Right? Think about this in, the, in Genesis. In the book of Genesis, when he was with Adam, um, he, would, um, he created the frame, all the animals, and he would bring the animals to Adam. He said, Adam, give them a name. And that's, that was what their name was. Right? Are you listening to me? See, before the fall, the frame was very pure. The frame was not defiled. So if God brought a lion to Adam, the lion wasn't looking at him going, fresh meat. <laughs> fresh meat. Jesus, could you just move to the side? I'm hungry right now. There was no killing. There was no meat eating. Lions were like lambs. Meh. The sheep, everybody dwelt together. There's perfect harmony. In that perfect harmony, God told Adam, give him a name. In a non-fallen state, whatever name Adam gave, that was what it is. Once it fell, once all of mankind fell, so did the animals. The name changed. The difference between Adam and us is that God brings a situation to Adam that is pure. But God brings a situation to us that is defiled. Think about it. I grew up in an environment that said, don't listen to secular music. Why? Because it will defile you. And you'll become like them, ACDC, devil things, whatever. (laughs) Don't wear short skirts. Don't wear tight jeans. Don't do this. Don't do that. It's like, why? It's because something on the outside can so easily defile the inside. Jesus says this. It's not what on the outside that defiles you. It's what comes from the inside that defiles you. So which means, so which means, are you listening? You have the ability to change the identity of your storm. Before the fall, Adam gave it an identity. It was pure. He could say, lion. And lion would roar but not eat him. But today, don't stand in front of a lion and try to change his identity, please, please. We have storms in our life that come our way. And some of us give it them names. Debt. I don't have any money. Pastor, I'm going to think I'm going to lose my job. Pastor, I think my wife is going to leave me. You think 
The problem is the storm has come to you as a promotion. It's the frame. Instead of giving it a false identity, give it its real identity. So which means if, if your wife is leaving you, just say, Pastor, I want you to agree with me that my wife is not leaving me. Change the identity. If a sick person comes to you for prayer, don't say, oh, you're sick. Say, change the identity. I, I declare that you're healed. If we are in this church and you understand that the preceding word gives life, we don't speak death into circumstances. We speak life into circumstances. We don't say, oh, I'm going to retire and then I'm going to die and, you know, I did really well. Well, pat on the back, you applauding yourself. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, it's time for God to give you praise. So why don't you just continue doing what you're doing because God has called you to live an abundant life. Right? Why does he say long suffering? Because it's long. If you have a long life. But people are so, it's ingrained in them. Once I'm 70, then short life. It's a very, it's a very inferior love that God is communicating to you. Because the love that God wants to give you is a love that causes you to live in abundance and, and without lack and with, with just so much of freedom. But only if we zoom out. Stop zooming into the problems, man. Just zoom out and zoom into Christ. You zoom into Jesus. When you zoom into Jesus, now you see every solution to the problem. And it's not you that came up with the solution. It's not you that healed the sick. Hello, he was the one who paid the price 2,000 years ago. And all you're doing is you're saying, oh, you're sick. Okay, great. There's provision that was made 2,000 years ago by the stripes of Jesus. You are healed. You're changing the identity of the storm. Jesus did not wake up in the boat and go, uh-oh. He didn't have a pause moment. He actually got upset with his disciples. Why did you wake me up, man? And he spoke to the storm. Define its identity. Peace be still. So that storm had no other choice. Your problems have no other choice but to submit to the name of Jesus. Submit to the authority of Jesus in your life. But if it's you, they won't listen to you. Peter, I know. James, I know. But who are you? See, we have lots of Christians that fill themselves with knowledge of word from here, here, there, everywhere. And they look like a skeleton because they're all frames. (laughs) Zero application. Skeleton, just walking like that. Everywhere. Coming to church, pray for the sick, brother. You need prayer yourself. And then when you're praying for the sick, you're saying, Father, forgive me. But heal them. (laughs) 
If you have two visions, you're in division. Husband have, has one vision, wife has another vision. Husband wants to leave, wife wants to stay. Division. When we come into this place, we understand there's only one vision. His name is Jesus. That's it. There's nothing else. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody can go to the Father except through Him. Jesus. He is the frame. He is the down payment, the installment of faith. You cannot wake up today and say, I have faith. I'm going to move mountains when God hasn't said anything to you. Do you understand? You want faith to move mountains? Only Jesus can move mountains. Why? At the name of Jesus, mountains will melt like wax. Who do you know? If you know Jesus, then you will look like Jesus walking out of the church. You will look like Jesus when you wake up in the morning. You will look like Jesus. You will behave like Jesus. You will be like angry, upset, bickering, snickering, gossiping. All the vile stuff possible and walk into church is like, holy. <laughs> no, full of holes. Not holy. You understand? And God is looking at us in church. He's looking at his children and going, if you only get this principle. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word. So when I need faith, I don't go for prayer. I go to the word. When I receive the word, I receive a frame. When I receive that frame, I now look for problems. You have to. Otherwise you walk around empty. That's why I'm saying they look like skeletons because they've not exercised the word. They've not taken the word. I can, I can, I'll ask you. i plead with you, beg you, take one principle, take one word and apply it every day. Just one word. I, do you remember that time when I, when I told the church, think one new thought a day? Yeah. One. You know how difficult it was? One new thought. One word from God was so filled with stuff. That's so hard to even move. We're spiritual skeletons in the church. And then we read passages like Mark chapter 16. Go into all the world, preach the gospel, cast out demons, cleanse the lepers, heal the sick, raise the dead. Before we raise the dead, we're asking God to raise us up. There's no capacity. There's no capacity for power. You want to become powerful, you've got to go to the gym. I didn't want to go there. But yes, you want to go, you, you want to, go to the gym and you want to train. Train not to sprint. Train for long distance running. Endurance. Long suffering. Come to the gym called Life Church Global. We, we take the weights and we put it on you. <laughs> do something about it. You do. Don't come to me and give me your weights. You do something about it. 
It's your problem. It's your frame. <laughs> like, come to a pastor. I need to confess my. No, no, no. Go to God. Just give it to Him. Give it to Him. Pastor, can you please pray for me? Yes, I can pray for you. But you need to pray for yourself first. If it doesn't work, then we can try something else. See, a lot of the times we have no faith for ourselves, but yet we have faith for somebody else. But how can a skeleton try to save another person's life? You have no power in, in, of yourself. I must encourage you. Don't take in too much of the word. Don't run from pillar to post. Opinion and this one and that one and this denomination, that denomination, this prophecy, that prophecy. Just apply what God gives you, man. It's important to be faithful to the very frame that God is giving you for your life here and now. What is the word for today and now? Give me my daily bread, God. I don't want a daily cow. Just give me bread. What I can eat now. It's a good word, man. Touch your neighbor and say, fill the frame. Fill the frame. <laughs> Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. It's amazing, huh? We just do two verses. <laughs> we'll do two more verses in Hebrews chapter 12. Are you there? Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto the author and the finisher of our no, you're not saying it together. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Who for the joy, oh, here we go, that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of God, of the throne of God. You know, um, This, this chapter 12 is really the, um, the sort of completion of chapter 11. Okay? It's talking about people who, great generals of faith in the Bible. You know, and I just want to point out one guy. We always talk about Abraham and the baby. You know, today, today it's different. Uh, I want to talk about Moses. You know, Moses, the, if you read Hebrews 11, it talks about how when his parents saw Moses for the first time, they knew he was special. There was something, they said the baby was beautiful. And they knew he had a call for his life. And so because of that, they chose to hide him away from the Pharaoh. They tried to withhold him for three months. They kept him disobeying the Pharaoh because they knew there was something special about this boy. And then it goes on to say that, that even while Moses was in Pharaoh's palace, he grew up and by faith, Moses chose to not believe that he was Pharaoh's, or Pharaoh's daughter's son. He chose to distance himself from all of them. And the Bible says that he chose 
to suffer with his people. Moses made a choice to suffer affliction with his people. He could have the easy way out. He could call Uber. <laughs> right? He could have the easy way out. Press an app, brother. Instant coffee. Instant noodles. Talabat. This, that. Press a button. Food will be at your door. We love this stuff. Why? Because we have a busy life. We're so busy, so busy, so busy. What are you busy doing, really? You are so busy at work trying to add money into somebody else's pocket. You allow, listen, let me speak the truth to you now. You allow yourself to get enslaved. Enslaved, driven by people. Spat on, abused for the sake of money. To add money into their pocket. Please, I'm not saying this is general for everybody, but everybody goes through this. This is, this is the suffering. Why do you make that choice? Why do you choose to suffer affliction? Because at the end of it, you know there's a reward. There's that reward. See, Moses knew earlier on, while he was growing up, that God was going to send a savior to save Israel. He made his choice. He could have the easy way out or suffer with his people. When he's suffering with his people and seeing, becoming a part of their affliction, God chose Moses to be the savior. Moses filled the frame by making a choice. He chose God's people over the luxury of life. See, I love how our people serve in this church. For you to sit and enjoy the service, people come here. At 10.30, 11 o'clock. They wake up. They get their kids ready. All of that stuff before coming here. Why do they have to suffer affliction? Caring, putting all these things together, playing all this music so that you can partake of God's goodness. Why do they need to do that? They choose to suffer affliction because the reward of miracles, signs, wonders, breakthrough in people's lives... The word of God being preached. People getting saved. All of these things happen. It's the fruit that they look for. We're not looking for money. We're not looking for people to give us money. We're looking for you to be rewarded. When you get rewarded, that is our reward. We don't have to come here and preach till my lungs fall out and intestines come out. And we, we preach and preach trying to convince you that your life is way better than what it should be. Do you understand? You, have, you can make better choices than that. You can be more attentive with the word. You can make a choice. You can make a choice to serve. You can make a choice to make a difference in someone else's life. And not be so focused and self-driven. We're so focused on ourselves because oh, look, oh, the storm is coming. Oh, death is coming. Oh, sickness is coming. I have to save money. I have to save money. So, so I, can't. I have to work hard. I have to work hard. Oh, because I want, I want, I want this little reward. But that little reward, just in an instant, can go. But then the body of Christ has been going on since 2,000 years. And it will go on forever and ever and ever. And the lives that you change, just by putting a stage, you may not know, just by putting a stage, we're like, what, what's my reward? Just by putting a stage, the frame was released. Yeah. 
people received the frame. And they received the frame and now they walked away from this room and, and now they're changing lives. They go out and Jesus is going out with them. They're going out into their workplace and now they're receiving promotions at workplaces and then Jesus is actually receiving the promotion at work. It's not, it's not you, but it's Jesus. Jesus, you received the promotion. Jesus, let me tell you something. If you want a promotion at work, if you want an increase in your salary, if you, wanna, if you want a new business, you want to do whatever, you want more kids, just ask Jesus to do it. Do you understand? If God gives you a word... Just submit it to Jesus. The Bible says take every thought captive and submit it to the feet of Jesus. Don't try to do something that is God's job. Don't try to fulfill your own prophecy. Please, don't do it. Because even with God's goodness, even though it might come, you will still have a blip on the page. <laughs> You might, have a, you might have this face looking like you. And then the, all, the Bible says all of creation is longing for the manifestation of the sons of God. Sons whom? The sons who are made in the image and likeness of Jesus. God is not interested in giving you a breakthrough. God wants to make you into Christ himself. Your purpose, your destiny in life is not a breakthrough. Your destiny in life is to be like Jesus. Be like Jesus uh, to your wife. Be like Jesus to your, to your kids. Be like Jesus to your workmates. Be like Jesus to the people sitting in the chairs in this room. Sometimes we're too, we're harmless of, as doves at our workplaces and we're wiser serpents in the church. <laughs> when it should be just the opposite. Be wise when you're outside in the world. Be harmless in church, man. I love to come to a church where people are just harmless. I'm not out to get you. I'm out to bless you. Walk into this room and just walk like, ah, I'm here to give. I look for opportunities to give. Give whether it's healing, deliverance, whether it's a prophetic word, whether it's money, whatever it is, my time. Whatever, be a giver. Because you're not just giving yourself, you're filling a frame. Every problem that comes at your life, you're filling a frame. And so the writer of Hebrews is saying, lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Some of us, you know, we go to the gym, it's like this life. We go to the gym <clears throat> and we check out of the gym with the weights on our back. And we're walking to work heavy. How's life? Oh. Pastor, I think I'm going to write a book about what's happening in my life. <laughs> so, so like, you can see veins popping up and you're thinking, wow, man, in the spirit I feel like I'm, I'm something else, but my back is hurting. Jesus, comfort me. And Jesus is looking like, did you leave the weights in your gym? You should have left the weight in your gym. In life, we go through things that we go through experiences in life 
which sometimes are not our choices. People do things to us. And sometimes we do things to people. Most times. Because <laughs> I'm harmless, right? I don't want to harm myself. So we choose to harm somebody else before they harm us. Hello? I think I'm, I'm like, I'm making people uncomfortable now. The truth is setting you free. Right? So, so we have these weights on us. And it's like people do something to us. Something happened to me when I was a child. My boss shouted at me last week. My husband looked at me with big eyes. I loved food, loved food, and um, until I met my wife. No comparison, but I just loved food growing up. And uh, I would eat anything and everything that's on other people's plates also. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when, so I would be the kind of kid that would eat mine first, and then I'd look. <laughs> oh dear. Lord, I thought these stories were in the past. <laughs> and then my mom would be sitting across the table. <laughs> Especially if it's someone else's house. Because she can't get up and, you know, do something. Show love. She couldn't show love with the sandal. So, so she'd make big eyes at me like that. Boy, I knew I had it. So I would repent. From the time that meeting was over till we reached home. I'm, like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'll never do it again, never do it again, never do it. But here's what I want to tell you. God is not like that. But he still leads you with his eyes. He leads you with his eyes. If you follow his word, you will see the face that speaks to you. And God's eyes communicate everything to us. And sometimes we're like, you know, we get stuck in this rut where we're looking at other things wanting to partake of it. And God's looking at us. It's like, let go of that weight. It's like you're walking down this path and, and the Bible says it ensnares. It's like sin is left as traps on the road and we're walking and we're so blind by, because we're looking at every other experience that we don't know we're walking into traps. And it's like when people do things to us, we're so, it's so heavy on our hearts. Somebody uh, sent me a message the other day and asked me, why are you so offended? with me. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not offended. I only have love in my heart for you. The response was, it's very hard to believe. I was like, that's not my problem. But all I have in my heart is love for you. And they went silent overnight. The next morning they responded saying, I love you back. You understand? I chose not to take on that weight. Do you understand? You choose. Just 
when people dump stuff on you, just <laughs> show them, not them, show the problem, the hand. Just the, you know, this, 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 uh, this analogy of, of throw off your weights, it actually comes from, from the Greeks who were, uh, were athletes. Please don't, don't think that I'm saying anything. This is actually verified. When athletes would come to the, to the uh, what's this called? Arena, yeah. Uh, and they were, there was a race. You know, they would take off their clothes and they would run naked. Take off every weight that weighs you down, that will stop you from finishing well. And sometimes the accusations of people, the experiences that we have with people can really weigh us down. But until the moment that we, we, we stand before God naked, we say, God, I have nothing to hide. God, I have nothing to hide before you. I'm not trying to pretend I'm a good Christian. I am a good Christian. I'm where I'm at. You find me. You know where I'm at. I'm not trying to pretend that I'm holier than you. But you make me holy. You're the one who makes me holy. So we, we come into this place with God. We're like, God, this is who I'm at. This is where I'm at. But I'm not happy with where I'm at. I, I really want to be more like you. I'm not looking to be like Pastor John or Benny Hinn or Bill Johnson or any of these people. I just want to be like Jesus. That's my destination. My destination is not heaven. My destination is Christ. Christ is my destination. It is in that place where he opens up this buffet. It's called the Lord's table. And he's seated at the right hand. Whew, it's amazing. When you stop looking at anything that is happening around us and you keep your eyes focused on Jesus, he leads you to the place where he feeds you with himself. He feeds you himself. And then he expects you now. Okay, I'll send a storm your way. Do something about it. And now the storm comes and you're like, I know the solution to this. And you use the solution, you apply the word. And now that storm goes away, submitted to Jesus. And now that storm recognizes there's a son here now who's manifesting Christ. Not manifesting humanity, is manifesting Christ. When people come your way, your way, when they look at you, when they talk to you, do they experience love? Do they experience peace? Do they experience joy? Do they experience patience? You know, I was telling, telling a family, uh, uh, um, just a couple of days ago, I was like, we live in such a press the button society. Like grocery, tea, beep, beep. You know what I'm talking about, right? We, we live in this instant generation. But when we, went, when we went to New Zealand, I wanted to get a cup of coffee. And I was waiting for 15 minutes. Because the lady at the counter was like, how are you, Ayana? How is your family? What have you been up to? She doesn't know the person. She's getting to know the every single person. She's taking her time to get to know every single customer. And I'm thinking, the family's leaving. 
I need my cup of coffee. And, I, and in that moment, God spoke to me and he said, you're so impatient. The transition of life has caused you to become impatient. I'm teaching you long-suffering. I'm teaching you to endure. I'm not interested in giving you a breakthrough fast. I'm interested in making you like Christ fast. See, people don't, don't say, no, it's okay. People don't celebrate wanting to become like Christ. Why? Because I have to suffer. I have to endure. I have to bear up these people, man. Like how long? Well, it's very long, brother. It's long life. If you want long life, it comes with long suffering. While the world is looking to give instant solutions that fade away, God is looking to give an eternal solution that will never fade away. James chapter 1. Verse 2. Are you there? It says, my brethren. Let's read it together because you may not believe me that this is in the Bible. Let's read it together. One, two, three. My brethren, count it. Stop, stop. We need to read it together, okay? Even in Arabic, you can read it together with us. Okay? One, two, three. My? Stop, stop. Let's read it again. My? Stop, stop, stop. Let's read it again. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your produces, but let patience have it, that you may be and lacking. Say, my brethren, count it. Every storm, every problem in your life, count it. <laughs> huh? Yeah. Count it all joy. Why? Because I know what the big picture is. No. Are you getting it? My brother, count it all joy when you fall. Not when you walk in, when you fall. Which means sometimes there are things that happen that are not in your control. Don't beat yourself up, there's no condemnation. We're saying when you fall into various trials, count it all. <sighs> I'd love to be a part of a, I'd love to receive a prayer request like this, Pastor. I'm so happy that my boss is persecuting me. I've counted it all joy. Because we think that, that only when we preach the gospel out in the world, that persecution is, is I can bear up the persecution because I'm, I'm preaching the gospel and I'm fighting for Jesus. How about fighting for Jesus in your personal life? 
And when things happen, when no one is watching, how about counting it as joy? How about rejoicing the fact that, that you get an opportunity to suffer? Everybody wants a breakthrough instantly. Nobody wants to suffer. God is looking for you to suffer because it's only when He takes you through the fire you come out perfect as gold. Some of us have no tolerance for the fire. Some of us don't have a tolerance for patience. But God is saying the only way that you can become long-suffering is, is if you learn to endure, bear up the weight, the pressure of life. And not give up. Not give up. Touch your neighbor and say, don't give up. 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 This is a word for someone today. Don't give up. Don't give up on your life. Don't give up on your family. Don't give up on your job. Don't give up on Jesus. Don't give up on his church. Don't give up on the people that are in your life group. Don't give up on your life coach. Don't give up on your worship leaders. Don't give up on the pastors. Don't give up. Don't ever, 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 ever give up. Because, because, because when testing comes, ladies and gentlemen, it's not coming to test you, so don't take it personally. It comes to test the frame of faith. It comes to test Jesus. Like we think a boss is persecuting you. No, no, no. Jesus says if you give a cup of cold water to this person, you've given it unto me. If you've given a person a place to sleep, you've given, that, given it to me. And we think that when people talk against us, that we, we take it personally. The problem is we're zoomed into the problem. Just zoom out and look at how Christ deals with the problem. Look at how Christ deals with the accusations. Look at how Christ deals with the persecution. Look at how Jesus deals. Look, because it is the frame that is being tested. We get affected because we think it's about us. But what is about us? Jesus says the joy. He endured the cross because of the joy that was set before him. And the Bible says that when you got saved, you, were, you entered into joy. Come on, man. So Jesus has his joy complete. The Father has his joy complete. They're not enduring anymore. But if Christ is being formed in you, the joy that is set before you is the joy that is in the Father's heart to see you not give up. The joy that is in the Father's heart is to see you fully formed into Christ. If you were to look at your life, man, you'll just look at the last five years and the choices that you made over the last five years of your life. How much of it would you say is Christ? How much would you say Christ has formed in me? I love Angelo. He's not here today. But I love Angelo because he was, I, I identify with him so much because we, was, we used to do almost similar things. But he's 65 and I'm 39. <laughs> and, and I identify with him because he was notorious. I was notorious as a boy, as a young man, as a teenager. I, I was just notorious. And, and I love the fact that when he goes back to, to Goa and he meets all his school friends, they're like, what happened to you? 
How come there's no foul words coming out of your mouth? How come you're not drinking and smoking and, and doing all these things that you used to do? His response is this. Jesus. Jesus. What they're experiencing is the big picture. They're experiencing, they're seeing Jesus. And some of us don't even like correction. We don't even like feedback. Don't give me feedback. You give feedback, it's his fault. Her fault. She came late. He came late. And we pass the blame. We pass the buck instead of taking responsibility for the frame. Somebody loves you enough to tell you that your house is leaking. Somebody on the outside is looking at your glass house because somebody threw a stone and there's a crack and now everything is getting into the house and you're displaying a nature that is not Christ-like and we so easily take and we throw it on somebody else. It's their fault. We should be like, thank you. Thank you for pointing out that my frame needs to be fixed. Thank you for pointing out that I tried to fit the frame with my face when that frame perfectly fits the face of Christ. When I tried to fit, when I tried to do things my way and I tried to fix it and, and it was all about me and I want people to see me and I want people to feel sorry for me and I want people to be happy by me, 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 me. They look at you and you're incomplete. And when they give you feedback and, and it comes off as correction or, or we, we, we see chastising happening, we don't look at it with welcome arms and we don't say, thank you so much for loving me. But we, we push it aside and we say, it's, it's somebody else's fault. It's the pastor's fault. That's like, it's like, oh my gosh. But to come into a place where we learn to, to, to really man up. Man up and take responsibility for your life. Take responsibility for your family. Stop making stupid choices that focus only on you. Make choices that focus on Christ. Be Christ-like. Is your responses to people full of love? Is, it, is your responses full, of, full of, of bitterness and anger? On the inside you are burning, but on the outside is praise the Lord. Because God is not interested in that. You're not he, And when we wonder why we're not getting an opportunity to serve the kingdom of God. Because God doesn't want to take you on a stage and display a fallen state, a sinful state. He wants to take you on a stage and He wants to display Christ in His fullness, His perfection. See, it's patience that perfects you. It's not hard work. It's patience. Patiently enduring. Patience means when I receive something, I don't, when somebody says something to me, I don't react quickly. I'm slow to anger. Oh, come on now. When somebody cuts you on the road, flash them, honk, and then go in front of them, break, do all that stuff. You're just displaying. You're just slowing down your breakthrough. Let me tell you something. God is, just doesn't look at you at church. He looks at you when you're walking your dogs and dogs poop and, he, and, and you need to pick up the poop. I did it for 12 years, 10 years. Every day. 
And there are days when I'm so tired and it's so dark at night that I can't even see the poop. And God says, put your flashlight on. Pick it up. Because that's your love for the people who are living in this room. We walk around and we just throw trash like it's something else. Not realizing that God's watching. Hello. We, we, we think that how we go, the church is giving us opportunities to serve. We're giving you opportunities to be Christ-like. Let me tell you something. When you think it's about your gift and people celebrate you, they're celebrating your gift, not you. But when you don't make it about your gift and people celebrate you, then you know where it came from. It was from the gift. Do you understand? We need to come into a place of such humility that we understand that every word from God is a gift. And I receive the gift. I just don't sing songs. I love what Ricardo was sharing. And I just, I love the way he ministered. Both of them, all of them ministered today. It just communicated just his heart. It's so real in worship. So like, man, these words are just not words. They mean something to me. I find myself in these words. And God's word, when we sing these songs, ladies and gentlemen, we're filling this room with frames. We're filling this atmosphere with frames. When we say, God, you're a healer. We're saying, God, you're a deliverer. We're saying, God, you're a protector. God, you're love. We're just building frames and frames and frames. I build the frame. The worship leader builds the frame. And then as I know who I'm singing about, I release Jesus into this atmosphere and it fills the frame. And then when a person who needs healing walks into this room, you don't need anyone to pray for you because the frame is right there waiting to embrace you. Just not, it's just not hot air that we release in a room. You have to be intentional with your worship. God, every time God speaks, He does not give you things. He gives you the word. When you speak, what do you give? What do you create for your marriage? What do you create for your church? What do you create, man, for this church? What do you have to do? What do you have to give? I love people, you know, I love people in general, but sometimes people can really say mean things. When they have never come into our church and experienced the love of God, they just take, watch videos that some people take and they cut and they make and they say things and they portray a certain message. And they come and they just, oh, that church is it's all you. I don't want to say it because it's not even in me to say it. But how sad that you came into this environment. How sad it is that you're in that environment and you're looking at our frame. You're looking at our expression. You're looking at at Jesus being displayed in broken people's lives. And they don't get to experience what you experience every week. It's so sad. And I wish for them to come. I wish for them to come. 
and experience the love of the hugs of the people in this room. I wish for them to come and experience the prophetic words that children will give you in this room. I wish for people to come into this room and experience that, that God is not fake, but He's real. He's real in this room. Let's stand up. Let's stand up. You look good.